of knowing. All right, man. Welcome to Crow Triple Seven Radio. This is episode 474. Jason Lindgren is here, and Fortune de Saint Germain returns for part two of the QA. We got through roughly half the questions. We're going to do our best to get through all the questions this time. We will get as far as we get, and then uh, in the future, we'll see what happens. Anyhow, welcome, Jason. Oh, and a very cloudy but lovely day it is. All right, Fortune, you ready to tackle the uh, onslaught? Oh, let's let's go. Let's have it. Okay, here we go, Jason. Is the dissolution of the ego necessary for spiritual ascension through the alchemical process? Is it an integral part of the alchemical process? The ego shadow self shrinking that uh, is a necessary part. And uh, sometimes the ego grows so big that it becomes your jailer or your master instead of you mastering it. So uh, we need an ego to survive on earth because that's part of judgment. And that helps us judge what we need and what uh, we want in the moment. Uh, but you never want it to grow too big that it masters your uh, masters you. You have to master it. So the more spiritual light you take on, the smaller your ego slash shadow self will be. Which Rekaweg formulas are good to have on hand for an infant through four years old? What is included in the Rekaweg emergency kit for less than $50 that you mentioned in a previous episode? Uh, you would need uh, Rekawag Formula One, which is for inflammation, and that will always help children. Uh, Rekawag Formula Number Six, uh, which is flu, and the the uh, form, both of these formulas also work with uh, Qatar or what you know as cold. Rekawag Formula Forty Nine is uh, sinus. And uh, let me think what else I would throw in. Rekawag formula, I think it's 55 for injuries. There is a core formula, Rekawag 9, and then Rekawag 43-48, because that's bronchitis and also pneumonia formula. So that should uh, work. Oh, and don't forget Rekawag formula 14 for sleep which helps with stress and many, many other things. All right. I'm going to give you guys all a URL. Rose is listening in. We'll try to get, I've already given her this. We're going to try to make sure we get this into comments. As a matter of fact, if you get to comments, it's not there. Comment that it's not there. But if you go to unitedremedies.com forward slash pages, forward slash DR hyphen recaweg hyphen reference hyphen guide. And you can probably just do a search for Recaweg United Remedies. That is the best breakdown that I've seen. It's down into categories. Anyhow, let's keep moving, Jason. What is the most important advice that you can give to a parent of young children? The most important thing in the universe is love, which we all know comes from the divine, um, which we are all a part of. But in parent raising, uh, Patience slash acceptance to be patient with children and uh, to let them learn at their own speed as uh, we want other people to let us learn our lessons at our speed in our own way and patience and acceptance because uh, you may do everything right in parent raising and they may turn out nothing in the way that you uh, thought. So if you raise children as some sort of selfless act and you are a protector of souls and you know that that child really is not yours, it's on loan to you as a soul to watch over and nurture it while it's here and you know let that soul develop uh, and learn its lessons in its ways and its time, then you'll do very, very well. Uh, the parenting goes wrong when uh, children are had uh, by accident or for selfish reasons, and you want the children to grow up and be a certain way or call them a copy of you, or the child grows up and does not live to the plans that you mapped out for it. Life is a hodgepodge on this planet and a zigzag. So uh, that is the most important 
having a child for for the sake of love and a spiritual growth is the most important uh, act there is, maybe except other than caring for the dying. Selflessness, patience, uh, acceptance, because they're really not yours. They're on loan here. Feels like that idea of raising children properly is getting increasingly difficult in the internet age. Go ahead, Jason. Where did the original St. Germain learn from? Did he have a teacher or teachers, and were there any schools? St. Germain was an esotericist, the original wisdom teacher on the violet flame. Uh, He was an esotericist. He learned in the Christian perspective, but quickly rose beyond that. Uh, That was his last incarnation here. He was aware of his mission. He had uh, knowledge of other lives. He was very, very psychic, and uh, he was able to do much of this as his uh, talents in that last incarnation developed uh, and uh, expanded. So much of what he did was through his own and through realization and the messages given to him through the universe, plus he had a very, very unique talent where he could go places in his psyche and in his uh, mind, Uh, and he never was in Tibet, as people say, but he could go there and travel through his own mind and see these places just as he was able to speak many, many languages. So he was in tune with the divine spirit, meaning the Holy Spirit and the ethers, uh, he was very good at the Akashic records, and he could time travel in his mind. You could look towards the Martin, not not the official groups, but the followers of St. Martin, and we're, we're not talking about any of secret societies or anything like that. Remember, he was French and he was raised as a Catholic, but he was a lover of all religions. He loved uh He loved learning and he loved esotericism. So he loved learning about all religions. And he also was able to access memory into past lives of his, which most of us are not able to do. So uh, in that last incarnation, uh, traveling, learning and observing others and and learning, uh, which we all uh, need to do, is that one of the ways uh, the universe teaches you is in your lessons with other people. So in the daily lessons and living, sometimes something will come out of another person's mouth and it will resonate in your being. And you will know that that is the universe speaking to you. So um, many, many uh, different areas. Uh, He was very, very well versed in religion and in the scriptures and the Bible. But as we all go on our journey, He was like uh, the Buddha who moved beyond the Hindu priests of the time, uh, and he had to teach himself by realization uh, and listening, uh, just as Jesus was baptized by John, who was the foremost teacher of that time. But then he moved beyond and had to listen to the universe and through realization and and self-help, and that is also what uh, St. Germain did. All right. I don't want to, after a response like that, I don't want to do a calm down, but folks will notice that a lot of people within the last couple of years on YouTube have been covering St. Germain. What I have noticed is they're basically referencing the top three search returns from Amazon, which are mostly lazy, legendary accounts. Anyhow, Jason. Well, let, let, let me interject something for those listening who have not listened to the past program. He was a genuine alchemist, as we have stressed, uh, and that the true alchemy and transmutation of physical objects only comes from those who have achieved uh, enlightenment slash nirvana already. Uh, On top of that, uh, forget everything you're reading about him on the net, because almost all of it is not true. History and conjecture, history is written over many times, and it's written by people many times who conjectured things. He was a very, very humble man. He spoke very little of himself. He praised others. And in his travels and works, uh, which people tend to leave out, he fed the homeless and the hungry. 
his only desire was to help and liberate man. Uh, he gave most of what he had away. So through his travels and his life, uh, at the end of his life, when they said they found very little in his position, it was because he kept giving almost everything away. So when we talk about the only things you take to heaven are those that you gave away. And to be a little more honest, when we look at this man's life, he was a back-channel diplomat. He was everywhere in the royal courts of Europe. So no one is telling me that King Louis XV, who used this man as a back-channel diplomat and to carry secret messages to other royal houses, you're not telling me that the King of France did not know who one of his aristocrats were. Saint Germain was a member of the noble house of Saint Germain. Can you speak to the validity of the following two claims? Hermes was a prophet from the Abrahamic lineage who was taught divination by the Archangel Gabriel. If we're talking about the, uh, let's do this. Remember that all religions borrow from previous religions. So if you read the works of Joseph Campbell, Judaism did borrow from paganism uh, before it, just as Christianity borrows from Judaism and paganism as well. So as they say, um, imitation or stealing an idea is the most sincere form of flattery. Uh, So everything's based on something that came before it, even though the Jews would scream and yell that, you know, Judaism is the first and religion of uh, worship of the single God, which is not true. But on that, Hermes was uh, what you're talking about is the Greek god Hermes. These come from the reign of the gods. Uh, basically, it goes back to the pyramids, uh, and these were masters either at the end of Atlantis or after Atlantis sank in ancient Egypt for the first few generations who brought their wisdom with them. And as time went on, they were looked at like Tahoti um, and other masters. They became looked at as gods. So when you look at someone like Hermes or Serapis, or Pallas Athena. Uh, Pallas Athena is actually Lady Nadia of Atlantis. And uh, these were all different sorts of teachers and masters that had achieved ascension status and then moved on. So legend makes them as gods, uh, but they were really uh, human beings who were finishing their mission here. Number two, Hermes or Idris taught Socrates and a select few the true hidden wisdom of alchemy and the science of letters and numbers. I don't really see a question in there, but go ahead, Fortune, if you wish. Socrates learned from many, many places. He, um, everybody is, remember this, everybody is divinely inspired at one time or another. So uh, we are all receiving help. Socrates was morally, he was an earthly wisdom teacher. And yes, remember, all of the people who lived in ancient Athens in the Greek world had divine inspirations from the Eleusinian mysteries, from the gods, from the oracle at Delphi. So we get messages from teachers and divine inspiration at uh, many, many different points. And just not to skirt the issue, when a message comes to us in truth and divine love, it really doesn't matter where it comes from. How valid is the current version of the Quran? Has the text been manipulated? How do I navigate this? All religious texts have been rewritten over and over and over. Everyone borrows from the people before them. Remember that the Ishmaelites are children of the covenant. Uh, They are Semites. And they are brothers of the Jews, and they're both descendants of Abraham, except through different mothers. So go back. Muhammad was an ascend, is, is, was an ascended master. And remember, people rewrite stories to make them fit uh, the narrative over the years. Uh, but he had become a very, very humble, kind man. Uh, and in his, well, as all people do when they uh, finish their mission, and look to the principal cores, um, if you really want to know, look at what Muhammad said about charity and children and widows and the very, very core tenets of Islam. 
But uh, I must point out that the essence of all religions, no matter what they are, are prayer and charity. Devotion, prayer, and charity. What would three regular spiritual practices be to get someone who's been on a spiritual plateau having developed a deep connection and understanding of too many seemingly different paths? From the previous question, devotion, meditation, and charity. So as the uh, Catholics tell you that faith is great, devotion, okay, let's say devotion is faith. So faith is great, but it must be coupled with good works. So your devotion your desire to do good, your faith coupled with good works and meditation and the holy breath to bring in more of the universal energy. So when we do the Twin Hearts meditation, uh, you're focusing on the holy breath and bringing in the prana, uh, the, the holy spirit, whatever you choose to call it, more chi energy. Uh, and remember, chi and your life force is built through the heart which translates into the kundalini. So the heart is the center of everything. But in those three aspects, which is the core, as we say, of every religion, uh, there is your basic progress. So as we've pointed out in other episodes, the credo of the third dimension is as simple as this. Love God with all your heart, serve selflessly, and be all you can be. That is what the third dimension is about. It's as simple as that. I receive subliminal messages through numbers and animals. Is this the creator communicating with me? How do I use these messages in my favor? Ah, the Lord does not work in mysterious ways. The more wisdom we take into our being and the more divine, the more in contact with divine we come, the, the more spiritual we become, we see that it's not really mysterious. It's just like heaven and earth are a bit of opposites. So the way it looks from heaven is quite opposite the way it looks while we're here in physicality. So uh, as we said, the messages are being given to us um, all the time. They are called universal spiritual truths because they're universal, they're spiritual, and they're true. So when we talk about terms of numbers and the way the universe shows us things, uh, we are being guided through uh, thousands of times a day, many, many times a day in many, many ways. We just have to open our eyes, learn to see what is being, uh, or learn to hear what's being given to us, and then learn how to interpret it. So numbers uh, have a significance. Yes, they are mystical, and uh, the universe is pretty much uh, built on sacred geometry and numbers and uh, various things in the way animals uh, talk to us and the way animals uh, speak to us. And remember, animals uh, are like children. They teach us selfless love and acceptance. So when you work with animals, we tend to be more kind to animals than we are to people uh, because animals love uh, more selflessly, especially cats and dogs than other people do. And we tend to be closer to them. So when we look at, uh, and, and you see many people who have many animals, many of those people are very, very untrusting of people, but they're more trusting of animals. So if they teach us selfless and unconditional love. The English language seems to be filled with spells. Who created the English language, and when was it implemented? Was it always designed to be conjuring demons? Nothing in third dimension physicality is bad or good. It's what you choose to do with it. So these cuckoo nuts who are on the net all day looking at foolishness, it's not the internet that's bad because a human being can go on the internet and it's the Library of Alexandria on steroids to the nth degree. So we can use the internet as the form of the greatest learning, just as other people use it to fill their minds with nothingness. Language is all in evolution, just as Hebrew comes from Akkadian before it, and it all had forerunners. Language 
is neither bad nor good, but what we choose to do with it. It is, it can be demonic if you choose to use it because it is the intent behind it, or it can be truly mystical and spiritual if you so choose it to be. What are you always telling me, Fortune? If you're not afraid of it, it can't harm you? Uh, in physicality, since we are all particles of the greater whole, which means we all have a divine spark, if you do not fear it and you do not judge it, it cannot hurt you. You can bypass anything anytime you choose. So if you have a, a particle of energy next to you that you consider dark, it's because it's something that has the divine spark but it has forgotten its part of the greater whole. It has, that particle has forgotten oneness. People who are dark have forgotten oneness, and they still have the divine spark and a part of the greater whole, but it's basically energy out of tune. So uh, not judging it and not fearing it means that you can bypass the lesson uh, uh, without it hurting you. And remember, you have a choice to bypass anything uh, in any moment. This one thing I notice about the internet fortune is how it urges a typical mind to judge everything. Um, but that's just a speculation on my part. Doesn't that speak more to humanity than this tool that is the internet? What we're doing with it speaks more about who and what we are. So I, I quote Padre Pio, which we've done past episodes, Padre Pio said, it matters not your cross, but how you carry it. So how you carry your load or slash burden uh, in life is what makes you you. We all have um, a burden slash load or lessons to carry. Uh, but just remember, we uh, choose, we get to choose whether we learn that in suffering or joy. Suffering is optional. So Padre Pio also said, many come asking to be relieved of their cross. Very few come asking how to carry it. We get to choose what we want to do uh, in life. And just to uh, bring up something that was very, very deep uh, in the last uh, question and answer, someone asked what I would do, meaning Fortune St. Germain would do uh, when I get into the void in, uh, and I'm ready to leave and I go into the void if I choose to stay in the void. And uh, this it has to do with life and death. One of the beauties of the Catholic religion is the last rites and extreme unction, which basically is your crown chakra. It's extreme unction is the crown. It's faith slash forgiveness. And as I have said in um, other episodes, just because you have the foreknowledge before you die of what you can do when you die, your next translation, where you go after this, will also be determined on your spirituality. So uh, all religions, when you are preparing to die, have certain rituals uh, about leaving life and preparing for the next world. And if you go out where you don't do the appropriate things, uh, as we've said before, but these are what we're supposed to do our whole life. If, if you go out and you're going and you do not bless and forgive everybody that uh, you have met and bless this life that you've had and thank for it and then ask for forgiveness, uh, whatever you have to leave behind and you don't make preparations to leave behind things to make other people's lives easier. You know, we don't do that and you, you, you have to before you leave. Uh, you don't have to and uh, not doing that will also make a determination of uh, what happens when you pass uh, to actually thank and bless God and forgive God as well. So when you get into the void, Living life, you have to have the courage of your convictions uh, when you live this life. And those convictions and spirituality will determine who you are. So when we know our choices, uh, when we pass away and where we are going, staying in the void, if you choose, and you choose to go on your own and use your own spirituality to create as much as you can create in that dark void, uh, determines on your spirituality and your courage of convictions at that moment. 
So if you really think about it, you get to create the same things in life as you do when you're in the void because everything is neutral here. So what we do with it is what we do with it while we're here. Please speak more on the one who is coming that is greater than the Christ that you mentioned. Also, what is the Antichrist? How can we ensure we are not deceived if he is indeed coming, as some say? And what is the false light? There have been, through history, many Antichrists. The original Antichrist, the Christians were expecting the first one in their time was interpreted as Nero. Antichrist slash uh, or opposite Christ. Christos is the same as the Hebrew anointed. They both, uh, Mashiach in Hebrew, Messiah, means the anointed, just as Christos means that in Greek. Uh, The Christ is the highest vibration. Uh, I think it's 33rd on earth. And one under that 32nd is what we know as Nirvana Enlightenment. But every man's mission on earth is to be the Messiah and save the world and change the world and help others. And the opposite of that is what you would call the Antichrist, where people have become so dark that they have forgotten their spirituality and their only mission is uh, they've forgotten their soul connection to God and their only mission is to wreak havoc on earth. And there have been many um, antichrists in the past, just as there, there have been many masters who have had the, what they call the Christ slash Buddha vibration, white gold. For those esotericists out there, the next vibration after the Christ is gold. And the next one after that is a color of white that no one has seen on earth before. The current uh, teacher is uh, that is in is the mission. It has been the only soul um, in the history of planet Earth that has agreed to take on that mission. And at this time, and it was discussed um, before his coming into the world, whether that uh, it is a male and whether that it is a male with female energy and whether that teacher uh, achieves that or not is uh, up to his deeds in this lifetime. But that person or soul was waited for for many generations to take up the mantle and step to the you know plate and, and really uh, come in. And the masters were looking for it for many, many years. And they had a soul that had agreed to it. The furthest anyone has gone on the planet ever that was a human soul was the Christ Buddha vibration and the teacher that had progressed the most because it was his desire was the one that you call the Prince of Peace, uh, Jesus himself. And, and there were many others that were uh, almost equal to that. Um, but at that level of the Christ, Jesus would be the first among equals and only because um, he was uh, a soul that chose that. Um, and just a little warning, when we get into physicality, no matter what our mission was agreed on before we came, uh, first you have to know what your mission is, and then we can get lost uh, because physicality gives birth to uh, desire and we can get lost in um, the physicality and not achieve the mission that we were sent out while we were here. But yes, that person is on the planet at this time. He is hidden, and uh, the angels laugh at this when they said that the next Messiah will be invisible. My wife has had MS for 15 years or so, and it has progressed to her being confined to a wheelchair. I would like to know if Fortune has any ideas that could help her. Uh, that is the realigning of the Mayellan sheets. And the MS can come about in many ways, through many different things in the environment, the many things that we have taken. There is a cure for every illness on Earth, except as we have spoken about before, mental retardation. All illnesses teach 
um, us uh, about the miracles of the divine and uh, acceptance. And they also teach us that uh, if we truly want a way to find something, we can. Uh, there are homeopathic and herbal ways of recoding the myelin sheath. And please email the Crow Show and let me get your email information and we'll send you back a protocol of what you can do to help. Can Dr. Breckaweg's formulas be given to babies under two years of age, given the alcohol content? Sure they can, but what you can do is you can just redilute it in some distilled water and uh, one part, um, let's see, one part, Dr. Rekaweg, nine parts distilled water, and then vibrate it, and that will make a basic uh, solution for you, just a little bit stronger, and uh, that will water down the alcohol content, uh, which really shouldn't affect the baby. Uh, another thing, if you don't want to give it um, under the um, uh, tongue and the baby can't do it under the tongue, there are parts of the body um, like you can rub it in the palms or uh, on the wrists or on the baby's feet and that will help absorb as well. So remember when you work with homeopathics, they're frequency medication. So they can be absorbed by many different parts of the body, some more easily um, than other where, uh, uh, and you can read up on which parts of the body they, the um, homeopathic formulas are more easily absorbed. What is the best remedy for COPD? Have tried a few remedies and I'm still having breathing problems. Start with Recoweg 43 to 48. And there's a Rekaweg asthma remedy, and I don't remember the number on that, but you can easily look that up and see how that goes and helps you. Now, this is a little more interesting uh, since you've asked this question. This diagnosis or term covers many different things that are, uh, it can be caused by many, many reasons. And I want everyone listening there to know, because this applies to all of us, that the environment is so toxic that right now there are syndromes that are basically uh, undiagnosable by your doctor because they are caused by all sorts of environmental toxins and uh, by uh, their synergistic uh, effect uh, all put together. So they're wreaking havoc on the body. And yes, you, these will help uh, and they will greatly help. Also, you might want to try uh, oxygen in an oxygen tank with the mask. And uh, it would be, uh, I'd like to know whether the person smoked cigarettes or smoked marijuana uh, over their life or some any and all other things. Uh, and I would have to take a look at the actual medical history of the person because there are so many things that can cause this syndrome that uh, you have just asked about. All right. As Fortune mentioned, R43 is listed for asthma. For acute asthma, it is listed in the page that I gave everyone earlier as R76 for acute asthma. And then there is one more listing under R43 that lists asthma, but, oh, I'm sorry, I gave R43 twice. It's double listed here. Did you mean, Fortune, when you said from R43 to R76, any of the ones in between, or did I hit the main ones there? I'd combine all 43 with all 48, make one remedy out of it, and then uh, use separately the asthma remedy. And you could do one day all 43, 48 for four times a day, and the next day asthma for four times a day. One of the main breathing remedies, especially for asthma, um, is Cali Iodatum. That is your starting point. So I don't remember whether any of those remedies have that. Cali, K-A-L-I, iodatum, Cali iodide, and that is also a VD remedy for syphilis. In the spirit of the question, just so folks will know, there is a nicotine addiction remedy from Recoweg called R77. Go ahead, Jason. Could you please give me your best conclusion as to where this fairly new condition called fibromyalgia has come from? 
I have a suspicion that it may be connected to low-frequency waves or electricity in general. It's not natural. I was diagnosed with this condition about 15 years ago. Fibromyalgia uh, was exploded. Now, I'm not saying this is all the reasons of it. Uh, Fibromyalgia exploded on the scene, um, coincidentally and miraculously, in quotes, with all of the diets and aspartame, diet, diet products, and that aspartame and other similar substances were put in. So when uh, we looked at that, and there have been studies on that, which said that aspartame and other similar related chemicals were causing that, it was the diet products, which I agree with very, very much. So you want to get off all of the diet products. And once you get rid of that, what I wish to say is that incredibly, so many of these syndromes came about with chemical food. So get off any and all of the diet products and go back as you can to natural eating. And I would want to take a look if that person were a patient at their medical history and what they have eaten and ingested over the years, especially medicines and chemicals. And then I could put them on a homeopathic protocol. In the light of Egypt, volume one, Burgoyne recommends spending some time gazing into a crystal magic mirror or magnetic disc. He seems to be referring to the sun and moon. I really like these descriptions. It also calls to mind the sea of glass like crystal before the throne described in Revelation 4.8. My question then is, what is the sun and the moon? The sun is male energy, it is day, and the moon is nurturing. It is night and... They are different aspects of life and nurturing here on earth as a reflection of mother, father, God, heaven and earth. And you don't need any of those crystals for gazing into mirrors. Uh, You can gaze into the sun and the moon, which would help because they have natural light in different forms. So um, as our friend Mr. Crow loves to talk about, there have been Indian teachers, Indian holy men that don't eat and they have proved that they can just live by gazing into the sun and breathing. So the sun is uh, rejuvenating energy. Uh, You gaze into the sun. uh, You don't have to look directly at it. You know, uh, it's also vitamin D. Don't wear sunglasses uh, because that blocks your, um, your, your vitamin D intake from the sun. And the moon is the quiet, the nurturing. It's the goddess or the holy, the holy mother, rejuvenation at night. All right. I'm going to give a little warning, as I always do. Don't go out and stare at the sun if you don't know what you're doing. There is a protocol to get started. It involves very short periods of time looking at the sun for like a second at very particular times of the day when the UV is very low. You can work your way up to a point where you can do almost anything you want. I have often wondered if I somehow got stranded in the middle of the desert for two weeks without food, if my ability to look at the sun would be enough to get me through. I am wondering. I don't know for sure. It's certain. But the point is, and I always say this, it's a bit like giving a baby a jalapeno or a much hotter pepper. You wouldn't do it. You can damage your eyes for good if you don't do this right. And that's that. Well, let's let me throw something in because as I speak to the um, questions, and I am tuned in at this time, so I'm listening. The sun, the ultraviolet ray, is masculine and oxygen, as we know, which makes up water. It's feminine. So when you go outside, uh, and any disease, it doesn't matter what it is, hits the atmosphere. Oxygen. And the ultraviolet ray of the sun, when anything hits the sun and comes in contact with oxygen, it starts to die immediately. That is our protector. So uh, when the sun's ultraviolet rays and you hit you and you breathe in oxygen, uh, that is the marriage of mother, father, God on earth. That's alchemy in itself. So uh, one of the reasons... Uh, let's say you were to dump a poisonous substance from the air 
And it wouldn't matter whether it's virus, it wouldn't matter whether it's fungus, and it wouldn't matter whether it's bacterial. But if it were bacterial or fungus, it would die even quicker because anytime anything hits the air, it's being bombarded by ultraviolet rays and oxygen. And if you put something in a totally oxygenated environment and it's a contagion, it dies. If you put something under an ultraviolet ray, it dies. So that's one of the ways they purify things. They put it under ultraviolet and everything in it that is toxic, you know, disappears. So even toxic formulas that are not alive, when they hit oxygen and the ultraviolet rays, they uh, get more and more uh, neutralized uh, the longer they sit out. Just as when you put uh, a glass of water in the sun for a few hours, and that's the way people used to do things. If you put something in the bright sun, it tends to kill much of what's in the water. I would like to hear your thoughts on the alchemical traits of farming. The bloodlines of my families and the cows seems to be alchemically symbiotic. What do you think about this? Anything that is rebirth and life rebirth is alchemical. So being close to the earth and nurturing it and growing things that give life, uh, especially to other forms of life, that is one of the greatest talents and uh, gifts that there is. So, of course, anybody who goes out there who has the traditional green thumb and knows how to nurture plants and, and grow um, beautiful flowers, my answer to that is yes, it's, it's very alchemical. And uh, remember, not everybody who uh, grows plants has the same success. So when people go out there, not only do they know what they're doing, but when they go out and they grow um, food or they grow just plants for beauty and they have the certain, the correct aspect to it and they have the correct uh, paradigm or the virtue, uh, of course, that's alchemy. This next question seems wholly, put it this way, this next question, it's up to every individual. I don't feel like anyone can answer this, but go ahead, Jason. But to me, it seems like this is up to each individual. Go ahead. What are your opinions on not registering a child with a birth certificate or social security number? In answering the question, I'm giving, in answering the question my way, I'm giving you the answer. Like anything else, it depends on the courage of your convictions. You have to remember that why we are all here, uh, that we are children of uh, the divine and that we were put here for a certain reason, which is to learn. Uh, we're supposed to learn and joy, as we said, suffering is optional. And anyone who feels that something is an instrument of enslavement or that hinders you in any way, I would recommend you do not sign up for it. You're only a slave if you want to be a slave. A con man can only con the greedy. So uh, just because everybody else is doing something doesn't mean that you have to do it. So if you choose to do something and not be part of a certain system because you don't agree with it, like the Amish or some other uh, groups, and you're brave enough to do it, and you're doing it because you know it's the right thing and, and you are answering to a higher power, then go do it. If you put on a unique pair of shoes in this world, you're the only one that will be walking in them, I would mention. Anyhow, Jason? All right, we should have time for one more. What is daily life like when you ascend from this realm we call Earth? I would ask that person, since where you are healed before you get sent back is the fifth dimension, and you are guided if you get sent back, if you choose to come back, what all the variables are. Sixth dimension is no free will. And uh, I will quote a former teacher of mine, and she said, if people knew what heaven was like, they would commit suicide at birth. But that was her own spiritual laughter. It, we have the veil here, and I would assume that is necessary. Um, I, I don't judge 
the uh, people and the powers beyond me or try to know why because it is unknowable. So these dimensions that are above us, six and beyond, are basically uh, unfathomable uh, from our perspective. But sixth dimension is the Buddhic plane where the ascended masters live and the angels are trans-dimensional, but there is no judgment there. They are more attuned with the light because they don't have the veil that gives the illusion of time and space. They don't have separation consciousness, so they are one with the light and the sound. The light and the sound, by the way, are one out of this dimension. They are combined, and they're one and the same. So it's nirvanic, and it's an experience that is many, many times um, beyond what you can fathom in this uh, dimension because it's so different. However, for those of you um, who have certain types of dreams, like when you're swimming or playing in water and the sun is shining and you feel like you're in a garden in Nirvana, those are glimpses of the feeling of what uh, heaven uh, is or when you experienced it out of form are. So um, the weight is gone. It's more weightlessness. But uh, you'd have to add all of these things and a thousand other aspects into it to actually um, understand and to understand and actually to appreciate what that is. So it's it's indescribable, but it is found by many students when they do meditation and they have that type of ecstasy when you're doing the meditation and you found it's when your whole body is tingling. And it feels uh, like bliss. Some would even say dizziness and orgasmic at the same time. And it's so ecstatic that you want to be in it, but you can't be in it because it's too intense. All right. That is going to bring our one to a close. Fortune, thank you so much. We're going to come back here shortly, do another hour. Uh, Fortune, we made it almost through 20 questions in hour one. We have just a couple more than 20. So I think we have a real chance in hour two of getting through everything we have. Jason, is there anything you'd like to add before I wrap up hour one? No. Uh, some really good ones coming up in hour two, though. I was just looking through all these questions. Interesting stuff. All right, my friends, get ready. I'm feeding the cats. They are very, very, they are very insistent. They're looking for <laughs> unconditional food. I thought that was one of my cats at first until I realized it was coming out no, of my they're speakers. Mine. <laughs> they're mine, but I spoiled them because I can't say no to them. <laughs> All right. Uh, I'm going to wrap up hour one of 474. First hour is free to everybody at crow777radio.com. That is CRR. OW777radio.com. Members, of course, know to log in for the full episode. And all members, of course, get Shoot the Moon, the movie that Jason made about all my scope work for free. It's 110 awards. With that, we hope to see you on the other side. And I'd like to wish you all a happy, healthy, and higher-minded new era. Cheers.
belief is the enemy of knowing.